At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. There are so many amazing free plugins available for download right now to help you with your production and mixing. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash plugins to download and get access to a bunch of free and premium plugins on Plugin Boutique. Happy mixing, my friends, and enjoy the show. Check out the Mixing Music Podcast on Amazon Music. Just visit amazon.com forward slash mixing music. Hello and welcome back to the Mix of Music Podcast. I'm your host, DK, and with me as always is La 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 Luscious Lou. For those of you who don't know, that was a, a blow of a kiss because of my luscious lips. Yeah, have you played a uh, lips Lou? Have you played um <laughs> have you played a uh, full not full metal, what is it called? Solid Snake. Have you ever played Solid oh, Snake? Oh yeah. I was going to call you Liquid Lou. Oh, actually? Yeah, that'd be nice. Maybe next time. Yeah, I I'll don't know. I'll call you Liquid Lou next time. Yeah. Snake! Isn't like Liquid Snake one of the names? Yeah. That's what I'm talking I'm not yeah. crazy. Okay, cool. No. Anyway, uh, let's uh, talk about today's topic. I think this is a pretty concise one. I, th- I have a feeling it's going to be a little bit shorter, um, but the points are pretty important. This episode is the four main components of mastering to think about while mastering and the thing is these four main components there's a fifth one that we're going to add as well at the end um but uh and it's less technical but it's still very very important and something that we should talk about so there's but there, we're going to talk about four main components and maybe we'll do an episode like this about mixing but for now mm-hmm. just mastering number one so here's the four and then we're going to go over each of these but number one is macro dynamics uh-huh. Number two is microdynamics. Uh-huh. Number three is tonal balance. Mm-hmm. And number four is loudness yeah. in general, which has a lot to do with macro, micro, and tonal balance. Yeah. They kind of, that fourth one encompasses all four of them. We're going to talk about how they all relate. Um, but uh, let's talk about, uh, I think we've done an episode about macrodynamics versus microdynamics. Uh, we they did are. that with, um, what's his name? Uh, YouTuber. Panorama. Panorama Mastering, yeah. Panorama Mastering. Yeah, we did an episode with him about macrodynamics. 
Yeah, so let's let's uh, briefly let's give quick insight definitions. Um, Macrodynamics is more like uh, dynamics from a distance, meaning the changes in amplitude or volume, typically even as far out as between sections to sections. Yeah. Verse the the. The perceived loudness of the verse versus the perceived loudness of the chorus. Maybe the drop feeding into the chorus. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, these are macro dynamics. Macro dynamics um, do matter, mm-hmm. uh, and and have a great deal to do with the emotions of a song. Yep. For example, uh, if the verse going into the chorus was the same perceived volume and loudness mm-hmm. as the verse and the chorus, you know, they were the same volume and loudness. Um, there would not be a emotional impact of it hitting the chorus. Exactly. So it is important. Oh yeah. Uh, what are macro di- micro dynamics, Lou? Uh, that's more kind of like between the transient and the actual average volume between uh, different sources in the master. So, for instance, let's say that you were to just throw a limiter on. A lot of times, first thing you'll notice is like the kick drum or the bass will be squashed by the limiter, and because of that, sure, you're getting louder. But you've actually killed any and all information that actually helps any, like, let's say any transients poke through or anything. So let's say that you had vocals and guitars. Cool. Those guitars might actually become a lot more prominent and actually squash the vocals more into the mix than the guitars should have been, you know, had their... Let's say that the vocals were the main focus. Guitars are now starting to slightly become a little more in focus and everything. You're starting to lose that perception. And a lot of times that's when you start messing up with microdynamics. First thing you'll notice, kick and bass start getting squashed. And then you start noticing that the mix starts squaring out and information starts losing definition between elements. Yeah, so microdynamics is, in other words, transients. Yeah. Immediate spikes in amplitude. Yep. Um, So less... So like in a less in a definition chorus, between it. You're right, like yeah. snare, kick, yeah. uh, those punches, moments of punches, which are important because if those are spiking, yep, and they're hurting your limit, you're gonna you're you want that headroom for loudness. So if, yeah. going back to the fourth thing, which is loudness, um, if you don't have your microdynamics under control and you have a very spiky caterpillar looking waveform, you're not going to be able to have the headroom. You're not going to have the headroom to make the entire thing much louder. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's important to think about. Last thing is tonal balance. Mm-hmm. Um, tonal balance is think about uh, EQ yeah. or even multiband compression, um, where it's that is a dynamic thing. But I want to mm-hmm. think about t- dynamic in this sense, uh, more about moving. So, like an EQ, a cut or a boost, is a static, non-moving boost mm-hmm. or a cut. But if you have a de-esser or a multiband EQ or a multi or a, a Dynamic EQ or a multiband compressor, you're compressing a certain amount of frequencies. It's it's constantly moving with the yeah. song. So it's a dynamic change. Yeah. Where yeah. we're like, it is dynamic and it is micro or macro dynamic changes. But I'm talking about dynamics as in like static versus dynamic. Yeah. Um, and in that case, like that's important to think about. So like tonal balance is controlling like evenness of the low end to the mid range to the top end, but as, w- as well as like what space the vocals take, what space the drums take, balancing out the general tonal thing. Um, also, like considering the Fletcher Munson curves or like the way that human hearing works. Yep. Um, adding more two, three, two to 4K is mm-hmm. going to make a song be perceived as louder. Yep. Right? So that goes into the loudness thing. Like bad tonal balance will also 
um, it'll sound off and it'll make people feel un- you can make people feel queasy and uneasy yep. if it's just that off. It's, it's an interesting phenomenon. Um, and the last thing is loudness. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we talk about loudness or mastering, loudness is usually one of the the main components, right? Mm-hmm. We want to get this mix or this master to sound as loud as we freaking can. Mm-hmm. Um, why is loudness important, Lou? Why is that? Why is that still a conversation we have? So it's kind of funny. It kind of comes down to the human perception of what is better, right? If you listen to a mix that is, let's say, technically flawless, right, and it's ringing in at minus fourteen. <laughs> technically flawless i don't know what the hell that would be but yeah (laughs) let's just pretend that such a thing could exist and it's at minus 14 then you play the same mix jesus mixed this shit that's that's how (laughs) and then let's say you played the the same mix but this time at minus eight but some of the dynamics have been cut and everything it's a little more squared off and all that and you just played it to your average listener forget about professionals they're gonna be like oh well i like the louder one why? Because a lot of people perceive louder is better. Yeah. Now, that's not the main reason we get loud, but rather we have to hit certain standards. Certain standards exist in our industry, and that's always been kind of a thing. So as people got louder, um, literally you're just trying to make sure that there's kind of like you don't want to fall behind. Because if other people's mixes are louder than yours, they're going to perceive not necessarily that your mix, but let's say that that artist doesn't have as good of a mix or as good of a sound. People are going to, let's say a DJ wants to play your song on the radio. They don't want to have to tweak per artist volume input. You know what I mean? Like you don't want your client to fall below a certain standard that's happening. Lately, it's been minus eight. It used to be minus nine with CD standard. Um, and there was a time where minus 10 was accepted after CD standard. Really? Yeah, there was a time where minus 10 was good enough. Um, jazz, for instance, well, still I mean, ranges between... it's also like between, totally dependent on genre, right? Exactly. Like jazz is still very much between like minus 14 and minus 10, but I have a lot more jazz clients asking for minus eight now. Really? Yeah, like uh, Seku Bunch, amazing, amazing he must have producer. Like a lot of low end or something like. Oh, that dude, he's well. a bass player, but like he's insanely okay. good. Like, so it's like more modern oh. low end. Yeah, but like because of that too, you're like, okay, he's acknowledging that. Sure, I'm a jazz guy, but I want it louder. You know, he knows that once it gets to go into play on radio and everything, they're not looking to. Sure. He's a jazz guy. He wants it at minus 14. But if none of the other modern jazz guys are doing it at minus 14 anymore, he doesn't want to be turned away just because they're going to have to match him up to the rest. You know, so part of the loudness thing is just matching standards. It's not necessarily that it's better, but it's usually perceived better by, I guess you could say, a a static like general audience versus professionals. Professionals will always listen for dynamics. We'll listen to macro, micro, transient, blah, blah. Okay, yeah, we're listening for all that. But let's be honest. When I'm at the gym with my AirPods on, I don't give a shit. I just want to hear the song. Yeah. Uh, So so to put in, so again, just to restate and reemphasize, if there's two mixes that are absolutely identical and you play back both and one of them is 1 dB louder, most people, including engineers, will yep. assume that the louder one sounds better. Yeah. Um, which we could talk about why it's important to bypass plugins and, and bypass them at the same perceived loudness as when they're turned on so you can actually hear yep. if it's helping. Um, but uh, this is this is why loudness is important, and, and for TV and film or competitive mm-hmm. areas where they're pitching music mm-hmm. to these different companies, uh, things get fucking loud. Yeah, like if if the, if I could, sorry, right. if I could, they'll 
they'll like master it to they want me to master it to minus two if I could. Yeah. Yeah. And, actually I had a client that wanted me to hit minus five and I was like, You sure? They're like, Yeah, I'm like, Okay, do you mind if I use like some EQ cuts to make it possible? And he's like, Sure. Send it to him. He's like, Why do I have less bass? I'm like, That was you're you're doing dubstep and you wanted minus five. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> There's yeah, I don't know how electronic people do it. Um, that's a whole different world in itself, and they have like they've got loudness down to an art form. I actually know there's him, a lot uh, of things that we can learn from that, but um, I'm not that guy. <laughs> I was actually talking to a friend of mine. He does uh, mastering for electronic music. He's like, yeah, I average about minus six, like average. I was like, really? And he played me one of his songs. I'm like, it's oh. so good, but it's like a brick wall of sound. And he's like, yeah, you wouldn't believe how many mids you have to push. I was like, really? You're like pushing mids? He's like, yeah, you you get a lot of people who do electronic music and they focus on the low end, but in reality, the loudness comes from the mids. I mean, and it's crazy because these LUFS numbers are, are by the way, when we talk about minus 8, minus 12, yeah, these are loofs. LUFS, loofs. Yeah. I put the uh, loo in Loudness loofs. units, full scale. If you don't know what loofs are, LUFS is, uh, watch a YouTube video. Loudness unit, this. full scale. Um, but it's, it's one of the ways that we engineers track... Um, the average level amplitude mm -hmm. across the song. For example, basically it shows the average between the peaks and the valleys. Yep. And if there's a bigger difference between the peaks and the valley, that number is going to go lower, thus more dynamic range. Yeah, and most of the platforms that are asking you to hit certain numbers, they're really focusing on integrated. So if you're looking at like a loose meter and it says short term, long term, or what is it? Short term, uh, is no, it yeah, long short, term? Short term or long -term. like long term or integrated. Yeah, yeah. integrated, yeah. But it's usually going to give you three options. Uh, short term, you can always hit some crazy numbers. Like I've hit like minus one before and that thing was a brick wall. But um, just focus on integrated. Just focus on that one. Yeah. And in fact, have you ever used a uh, history mode on Insight? History mode on Insight. Yeah, it's a good way to track your macro dynamics. Um, it'll actually show you your song as a mapped out dynamic change. Huh, really? Yeah, it'll show you your average loose section for section. Yeah, so it's actually a really good resource if you're trying to focus on learning how to do macro dynamics on your mixes. Um, even if it's not on the mastering stage, you're just trying to see if you're even mixing in those macro dynamics. Uh, use history mode and just watch your song play out. If you had any wonders, like, is it too loud or too quiet or is there no change? Like, I'm having a hard time hearing it. Maybe you fatigued after a while. You've been working on it too long. Um, if you want a visual aid um, before taking a break, I guess, maybe take a break before you do that. But uh, if you want a visual aid, Insight from Isotope actually has that history mode and it's great for that. Yeah. So going back to loudness here, um, one of the things that I think is important is to also... I just want to bring this up. This is a small, small tangent. Mm -hmm. um, but, like, for example, minus 8 dB LUFS of a song with no low end mm -hmm. is going to be significantly louder yep. than the song with more low end. Nothing else has changed. A song, uh, d identical song, but with more low end, minus five dB, minus eight dBs is going to be significantly quieter with oh, more yeah. low end. Low end takes up more energy, but it's harder to be is 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 more energy, but less heard by humans. Um, yep. Fletcher Muzzy Curves, you should look into it. But uh, anyway, um, so the point that we're talking about is the first three things go directly into the fourth. The microdynamics, the transients, mm -hmm. directly affect how much headroom you have. Um, and how much you can how much you can compensate with a limiter or compressor, um, and uh, yeah, that goes directly into how much headroom you have. Macro dynamics, I think, are more for like emotions. Yep. Um, but also like 
uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. It's like macro dynamics. Like the chorus just has to be louder than the verse. Yeah, just think about it like sectional changes. Like let's say that you have a bridge coming from the verse into the chorus. Then great. You might automate that that bridge comes down like a decibel from the start of the bridge all the way to the start of the chorus so that when the chorus hits, you don't really notice that it went down a decibel throughout the bridge. But then once the chorus hits, it shoots back up that one on the transient. And because of that, it feels like it hits you a little harder. When in reality, you didn't really lose too much of your macro dynamics. This has happened a couple times where like I'm, I loop the loudest section of the song while I'm mm -hmm. mastering just to get it right. And I've compressed or clipped or saturated or, or limited it so much that when I go back to listen to the entire song, the verses are just too loud. Yeah. So, like, you have to think about that as well. It's like if you compress and work on these dynamics, um, you have to. So, like, with microdynamics, like, you got to control them. But with macrodynamics, like, make sure that you leave room for mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Within sections. Uh, tonal balance, we talked about. Um, the low end and how much low end you have can directly result in overall loudness. That's why like a lot of these like super low end heavy trap songs um, are perceived to be a lot quieter than like your average pop song. It's because the tonal like there's the 808s and the amount of low end going into that song is just so much that you hit you hit these low low uh, average LUFS numbers so fast mm -hmm. because the low end is just eating up headroom. Um, yeah, so like that, how you tonally shape a song in a master definitely changes how loud you can get, uh, both perceived and metered. Um, yeah, any, any other thoughts on loudness or any of the first three points? I guess we can say this is like kind of like a unspoken, untaught fifth element, which is just a vibe check. Um, yeah, let's get into that. Let's get into that. Yeah, because honestly speaking, like we can we can go on and on about how to like apply the other four, but as much as you apply the four, you definitely want to be a being the original mix and the master. And obviously, they're going to be two different loudnesses. You're going to have to compensate volume. Blah blah blah. Cool. But when you're listening back to the two of them, sure, you might have found improvements sonically, but you have to ask yourself: Do those sonic improvements? Uh, retain the same vibe or enhance the vibe or does it actually take from the vibe because sometimes doing too much transient shaping can take away from the vibe let's think about like uh what song is it from kendrick lamar's damn um humble i think it was was it humble uh with Be the humble. big yeah huge ass bass big kick drum the snare is kind of sunken in a little bit um but like it's kind of funny when he when it was sent to mastering it was already loud and bass heavy and everything so the guy's like i'm not trying to do any more eq like there's a mix for the masters uh video for this so you guys should look it up if you want to know about like bass heavy mastering in a hip-hop domain but he talks about how he's like, I'm not trying to clip it. I'm not trying to compress it. I'm, I have to kind of move the music around through the macro dynamics in order to make it feel loud. I have to push the vocal a little bit forward in the mastering, not touch the low end, because this song has certain vibe to it. And if I do too much of any one of the other things, I could actually lose the delivery of emotion between uh, just trying to hit it too hard with the limiter, trying to get it to a certain loudness. He was able to achieve it, but he achieved it through very decisive methods within the first four you know but his number one goal was to not change the vibe of the record and a lot of times when i'm working with clients um i've noticed two polar opposite clients artists want me to be the final ear 
to their master. Even if another engineer mixed it, if the artist has no intention of including me with the engineer, that usually means that they're intending for me to do what I must with the master to get it to where the client wants it. For some reason, there's a cutoff with the mix engineer. And I don't know if it's because they had a hard time. Uh, we talked about this in another episode with revisions or if they have a certain idea of what they want the end goal of mastering to be, at which point, once again, I'm here to provide for my client. So if my client asks me for that, then great. If I'm in communication with the engineer, I ask the engineer, what is your intended goal out of the mastering? If you want me to be transparent and know if nothing heard and you don't mind it not being minus one, then great. Then we've got a lot of room to work with and there's communication about what the end goal is. But number one with engineers is always preserve my mix. Preserve every bit of work and detail I put into this mix. I don't want it to change too much. Like change what you must. But if it's if it's feeling different, it's too much. If you make it brighter or basier, like so be it. But it cannot take away from the emotional integrity of my mix because I've already put in so much time into it that if it doesn't feel like the same record anymore, or you've killed the micro dynamics so much that there is no macro dynamics anymore then you know it, yeah, the master fell apart we, we we've talked many episodes about um the importance of the emotional aspect and we were talking about this off off camera off screen mm-hmm. um but one of the most important things that um many engineers talk about in fact leslie brathway right now is on on uh hey, saying, hi, saying hi on the live stream on instagram but he he actually at one time i asked him um, what is an advanced level mixing tip? Like for advanced engineers. Mm-hmm. And he's like, at, at an advanced level, the tip is... I'm actually on the previous episode that we did with him. He, say, he said the advanced level tip is like the emotions of the song, the vibe, right? Mm-hmm. And I think when it comes for mastering, um, there's... You, there's only so much that you can do to change a song, but you can still change it too much. Yeah, and uh, being aware of that and keeping the vibe and the intention. Yeah, if you cut the macro dynamics or the micro dynamics and, and squish it too much, you might change the song negatively. Yeah, um, or in a way that the artist perceives as negative. Uh, it's super important to to be aware of that, um, and I think that is the fifth and final last component. I, I didn't want it to be like. Like, I think people just yeah. keep forgetting how important that that actually is at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and if you have that front of mind and use the first four components of mastering with that in mind, I think you're going to have it be it be in a much better starting place. Yeah, because we can always talk about like, oh, and mastering, you want to make sure you're doing X, Y, Z. Check out for inner sample peaks and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, sure. All that's important on a technical level. But at the end of the day, we work in a creative industry. And there's a lot more that actually goes into the overall goodness of the song versus the overall goodness of its technical end result. But let's be honest, we've all heard a technically great engineer provide a very boring mix before. We've all heard it. <laughs> and like, it's like, yeah, wow, you really got not that low mix, end. Not every mix is a hit. What are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you know, like you, I've heard mixes where like, wow, that low end and the kick and the snare, everything is so in its own space. But then you're like, why do I feel nothing? Like, it doesn't feel like it has a vibe or a certain attitude. It just sounds clean. You know, like it's a bar of soap. 
Hey, that's the best way I can describe it. You ever look at a bar of soap and get excited? No. It's clean, but it's not exciting. <laughs> I'm going to start calling that, people a bar of soap. That's just You funny. look clean, but you don't excite me at all. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What, what is the phrase like? Uh, don't make a problem uh, no, out no, of no, a mole hole. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> no not that. Uh, I was gonna say uh, uh, sometimes a clean like a clean mix is a boring mix. What is yeah. it? Is that what it was? Yeah, a clean mix is a boring mix. Uh, I remember one of the notes that I ever got, and this actually shaped a lot of my mixing. Uh, I was mixing uh, an album that Terrace Martin was heavily involved in uh, as uh, one of his friends, Adam Turchin. It was his album, and Terrace was helping him out with a couple records, and he played the mixes for Terrace Martin. And I was this was pretty early in like my like dedicated mixing career, where he said, "Oh, you guys are mixing too safe." Mm. Yeah, we wanted it I've clean. I've definitely done that so many times. Yeah, where he's I've like, it's a good so mix, but it's too safe. And then we started changing the direction of the mix to be a little more like attitude driven. Like we started focusing on vibe and that's what made mixes really hit. Um, yeah, if you guys ever want to look up a good mixing engineer, you should look up the producer, Terrace Martin, because as a mixing engineer, he's really good. He's really good at vibe and he's really good at clarity. And somehow has some of the deepest bass mixes that I've ever heard. Really? Yeah, he's really good. Like, if you want a vibe check, check your mixes against Terrace Martin mixes. Just a vibe check. Obviously, he's more jazz hip-hop, but, like, he's still really good. I wouldn't... Don't doubt anyone because of their genre. Like, bro, he's got it. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'll be sure to do that. Check out some Terrace Martin stuff. Um, yeah. But on that note, I think that's the... Going back over the four and the bonus components for mastering... Uh, make sure to pay attention to macro dynamics, micro dynamics, tonal balance, and and all of that leads into the overall loudness. And we talked about why loudness is important in general to this yeah. day. Loud is the what do you think? The loudness war is ever going to end? I no. think the answer is no. I think the way I think because of our habit of trying to find more headroom in the digital domain and finding ways that we can actually clip the meters just a little more and cleanly is just going to make it to where oh we can now average six oh we can now <laughs> average four and soon it's going to be like plus four fs came out it's the new headroom there is no zero anymore I there's mean, at plus the, yeah, four at the same like if you can get a song <laughs> to be two or three dbs louder like luff yeah but leaving no artifacts why mm -hmm. wouldn't you do that like, yeah, honestly, just, like, honestly, yeah, yeah. Like uh, loud pack um, traffic is one of my favorite references for loudness and low end information, and like it's not like it's but, a dirty yeah, mid. But, but it kind does of leave. Master. It will. It will leave artifacts. But if it didn't, it will. But like it's it's impressive. Like I'm like, yo, you guys really pushed the loudness on this one, and uh, yeah, I like a, the balance. There was a I like the macro dynamics. I like the micro dynamics. And I like the vibe. <laughs> there, there was a mastering engineer that um, I posted on their story. This is months ago. I think mm -hmm. we talked about this in person. Uh, but he, he posted on his Instagram story. It's like, look at this. And he's like showing off how he got the song to literally minus two. Yeah. And he's like, somebody stop me. And he's like, somebody stop me. He's like, and, and uh, he's like, yeah, it's because I can or, or something like that. It's like, because the song, it didn't hurt when it, when it was that loud. Yeah. Uh, I remember I was reading the comments on it and, um, Honestly speaking, 
it was really polarizing which side people were on. Um, one side was like, yo, you should never do that. As a mastering engineer, I cannot stand to see this. And then the other people were like, fuck yeah, how did you do it? I want to learn how to do that. What was your focus on? One side wanted to learn from this man's output. And the other side was like, fuck that. You know? But nobody was in the middle like... All right. This is this is a we're gonna end this episode with this question. Um, what up, Skylar Gluck on Gluck. YouTube? What up? Hey, he came to our uh, past the ox. Oh fuck yeah! And we finally we finally met in person. He says, if you had to pick a plug and chain for mastering, what would you pick? I want I want to kind of change my answer on this. Um, not specific. Did you even not, answer at first? No, no, no. Well, I mean, sorry, not change my answer, but I want to I want to change how I answer this. There we go. Okay. Um, to instead of being specific plugins, but rather than rather like genre styles of plugin. For me, if I'm going to stick to four, it is um, an EQ. Probably, well, I'm not going to say we we talked about not talking about specific ones, but an EQ is important. Mm -hmm. A slow compressor, mm -hmm. a soft clipper, mm -hmm. and a limiter. Okay. I'm going to give specifics because I like how I use them, but I don't use them all the time. That's that's the biggest takeaway. If I mention these, don't use them all the time and don't use them in this order. But if I had to blindly master a song and try to get as good of a result, uh, result as I could, I'd probably start with Inflator, then go to Oxford Limiter. Then I'd probably go to Ozone 9. And then end with FabFilter L2. Wait, wait, say that again? Inflator? So, inflator into uh, Oxford Limiter into Ozone 9. Directly into a limiter into Ozone 9. What are you using in Ozone 9? Um, Exciters? Typically, I will use a dynamic EQ feeding into low-end focus into the Exciter, I think it's called. And that's it. Usually, those three are my first go-tos. And then I'll end if I had to limit myself to four. Like those are probably the four most effective ones I could think. Inflator because I like that I can kind of shape in a somewhat parallel like uh, processing, and I can choose to either go more for top end or low end or somewhere in the mids. Um, and I like to just touch it, like just tap the mix a little bit if I feel like it's lacking in a certain direction. Um, usually most mixes I get are good enough to not necessarily need it, but sometimes that parallel processing for loudness just helps push the track a little bit forward without losing too much of the macro dynamics. Um, but you do notice some shaping in the actual micro dynamics. Um, Oxford limiter, I don't use it as a limiter. I just want the enhance and I want it with, um, without the safety curve, I think it's called. I forget what button is next to the enhance. But I really like that upper mid-range push that it does without having to actually change your loudness so much. It's just one of those perceived loudness things that we were talking about, kind of like in that 2 to 4K range. But I really like the way it does it. Like, I've tried to, like, do it with other EQs, and it, it just does something special. Yeah. Um, so those two to kind of, like, shape loudness in different ranges, like if I feel like it kind of needs it or maybe not. But then uh, Ozone 9 for those things, like a dynamic EQ, if I hear some harshness going on, maybe I want to just do like some soft dynamic EQ, and maybe I'll set up the threshold instead of automatic, because in automatic, it just bases it off of whatever it thinks it should do. But sometimes it's just like one specific part of a hi-hat that you just want to tame down just enough. Like you're not trying to change the shape of it, but rather just make it so it doesn't hurt when you put on headphones. 
And then lastly, the L2 limiter. Um, I really like it. There's just something about like how you can dial in with all the different modes that I like. It's extremely flexible. And because of that, if you wanted something that's a little bit deeper, you can go with uh, what mode is this? Aggressive, where it has a little more low end push, but it also kind of like breaks it up a little bit. Um, so if you were trying to go for just an aggressive sound, there's that. If you wanted modern, which is like a little bit more like defined low end limiting, cool. If you wanted to go with transparent because you're not trying to make the limiter very obvious, then there's that. But honestly, those four plugins usually do good, uh, when I need them to, but I don't always use them and I don't always use them in that order. It's so going back to that, um, the the point that we were trying to make here is going back to making sure that you take care of those four main components. Yeah. With all of those, including the limiter, the inflator, which is more saturation, which is partially dynamics, but is also do- tonal yeah. as well. Um, something that you use to make sure you think about and take care of your tonal balance, your yeah. macro dynamics, your micro dynamics. Um, yeah, and loudness, which is typically a limiter. Yeah. Uh, so on that note... Uh, I'm obviously there's an infinite amount of ways that you could do this and a lot oh, of yeah. different philosophies that you can go into while mastering a song. Um, and you should study a lot of other mastering engineers. Um, and cause there's many different ways, an infinite amount of ways to do. Don't do study stuff. their change, study their mindset. It's all about the mindset. There it is. Actually, yeah. that's a great, yeah. Let's on that note, let's end on that. Study yeah. their, study their mindset, not their chains. Yep. Um, on that note, happy, my happy mixing my friends and stay saucy. Check out the Mixing Music Podcast on Amazon Music. Just visit Amazon.com forward slash Mixing Music. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Yo, what up? It's DK. Thank you so much for listening to the Mixing Music Podcast. I just want to do a quick plug about Antares and Autotune. Antares makes the original industry standard autotune that we all know and love the sound of. We are sponsored by them, so if you visit mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash autotune, we do get a small kickback from every purchase. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Please enjoy this episode.